hear the word of God. Two others who are criminals led, were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There's also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle when they saw what had taken place returned home beating their breast. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on our time and his word. <laughs> Lord our God, we, uh, we come to you tonight, so we come from various different places of uh, things that we're currently struggling with, uh, Lord, doubts that we have, uh, guilt that we have, insecurities, um, frustrations of just the pain in life, Lord, many distractions of things, uh, things that we're worried about and, and paying attention to. And Lord, we ask that tonight uh, you would be with us as you promised to, uh, to be, as you promised to speak through your word, and that you would show us your presence, that you would draw our minds to you, that we might hear of your grace and your love and of the truth of the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would uh, work through my, uh, through my words, through my mouth, through my mind, that I would speak uh, not a message for myself, but that I would be your instrument to speak your truth uh, clearly and boldly, uh, the glorious gospel of Christ. Um, Lord, we give thanks to you even as we read uh, this passage uh, that, that the Lord Jesus Christ I would suffer, uh, that he would die, that there might be a hope, confident hope and salvation uh, for broken, uh, messed up sinners like us. We pray that your spirit would show us that tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's Jesus' last conversation uh, before, his, before his death. 
Uh, we've seen Jesus talk with various different types of people and, and all the different ways that he's put it into himself. Here's his, his last conversation, and a conversation here again uh, resulting in salvation. Jesus uh, with the death row criminal, uh, if you will. Jesus dying alongside the death row criminal, talking with and ultimately saving uh, that criminal. There are a lot of people that, there's people that we tend to, tend to write off. Uh, you've known them long enough or you've seen certain things in them or even from a distance you just feel like they're never going to change. Uh, maybe people that you've, that you've known or people you think they can't change and they won't change or they're unwilling. Um, really there's lots of people maybe that we write off. And maybe we were, at times we're tempted to, to write ourselves off. Um, give up on ourselves of what we're able to do or what our life uh, might be like. Um, whatever of all that I want you to think of yourself as some of those death row criminals tend to fit in that category of people that we have uh, written off and we have uh, no good expectations uh, for them at this point. It takes a lot in our country to be uh, put on, on death row. Um, uh, only the most heinous of, of crimes, things that are Things that we'd rather not know about or hear about. Like, we don't want to hear the descriptions of, of what they've done, the crimes that they've committed um, that have gotten them uh, there. But the amazing grace of the gospel is that, that God hasn't uh, written them off, that their sins aren't too big uh, for the gospel to cover. Um, even when, when strapped into the electric chair, or, as it were in this passage, even when nailed into the cross, the gospel is able to save. Jesus is able to save. Uh, this passage is an amazing picture for us of the gospel. It's not the only instance of God's salvation of criminals. Some of you uh, know stories about like Chuck Colson, who has a whole prison fellowship ministry of being in prison and ministering to those who are in prison, whether temporarily or with life sentences. Um, or in, and recently, uh, someone reminded me of the story of uh, serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, uh, horrific crimes I'd rather not talk about. Convicted of, he was convicted of 15 murders, uh, sentenced to 15 consecutive uh, life sentences, which I was looking at like, on Wikipedia, it's like 957 years or something. Um, but, uh, but if you read some of that story, while he was in prison, apparently he was converted. And there's an interview that Dateline did with him like nine months before he was, he was killed in prison. Um, and, and him talking about, talking about God's change in his life, talking about the gospel, uh, talking about his, his regret and sorrow for all that he'd done and his the pain and, and repentance for uh, the families that he'd hurt as well um, and, and proclaiming faith in the Lord Jesus. A serial killer. Um, the gospel's big enough to cover all of our sin. And we see the fullness of God's grace and power and salvation as it reaches to those places where we would have written it off, to those places where we wouldn't expect the young where we thought it was possible. And in this short conversation, really just verses 42 and 43, we'll look at a little bit more, but in this short conversation we see one of the most vivid portrayals of the gospel because it's so short and because of the context of it. And we'll look at just kind of two sides of it as we go through the passage uh, for a little bit. I want us to see just, just two sides. It's a very simple conversation uh, that's showing us the, the, the beautiful simplicity of the gospel. Uh, but it's a simple conversation that has a profound impact. Um, it shows us many of the things of the profound uh, salvation that God works for us in Christ. 
Who is it that you think Jesus has come for? Um, who do you think Jesus will speak to? Who do you think he will, will save? Here we have him speaking with a death row criminal. First four, simple conversation, simple gospel. Uh, in some ways, I think my job is pretty easy tonight. Some of these passages that we've gone to, you know, Jesus' statements, you're like, all right, what does he, what does he mean to that when he's talking about Nicodemus' this whole, like, Nicodemus is confused. The woman at the well is confused from some of the things that he's saying. We've got to, you know, bring out what's confusing and make it more clear, or sometimes the historical context, you know, matters. Um, this is a very simple, a very clear conversation, though with profound irrelevance. But it shows us the simplicity of the gospel. Uh, this gospel is not something that's, that's difficult to comprehend in terms of what it, what it is, what it means. Has anyone ever played the game uh, 25 words or less? Anyone seen that game? You have that game? Heard of that game? No one? I think we have it in our closet. I'm not sure if we've actually played it, but uh, I thought other people knew about it. Anyway, uh, we're on a, on a test or something. Yeah, you get your exam or you have to have an, like a writing exam and you get like a short answer question and it's like in 25 words or less, describe you know, whatever subject in history that like you're going through or something. And it's hard to say very much in 25 words or, or, or less. Um, this conversation is less than 25 words between, uh, between the, the, the criminal and Jesus. I think the criminal says nine words to Jesus, and Jesus says uh, 10 or 13 uh, back, depending on how you, how you count it there. Um, it's a civil conversation showing the simplicity of the gospel. Listen, there may be maybe plenty of other questions that you, that you care about, lots of other different topics that maybe are good or maybe distract you. I would say don't let any of those cloud the central issue of the gospel. Um, <clears throat> Here in 25 words, you could, you could, you could say it in 10 words. Uh, so a, a sinner looks to Jesus for salvation, and Jesus saves. That's the simplicity of the gospel. A sinner looks to Jesus for salvation, and Jesus saves. We see in this passage. Um, but I want you to see how this particular convict kind of understands the gospel. So we'll look a little bit about the, the conversation right before that with the, with the other criminal, right? There's two men who are crucified uh, there with Jesus, and there's been various people reviling Jesus, mocking Jesus. If you're the Christ, save yourself. And then here this other man on the cross is even uh, mocking Jesus, uh, insulting him, the word even blaspheming him, saying, if you're the Christ, uh, save yourself and us. Come on. He's like, he's just, it's, it's not a sincere thing. He's not asking for, he's saying, come on, you're not who you say you are. You're, you're up here. And uh, is complete insult and mockery. And then this criminal speaks to him, rebukes him, it says. Do not fear God since you yourself are under the same uh, condemnation. We see the second criminal's rebuke, we see, we see a contrast. I just want to draw out a few things of the simplicity of it from, uh, from his words. First thing we hear him say is, is do you not fear God? Uh, sometimes we can get confused about that or being afraid of God, and that can definitely uh, be part of it. But more the idea is, is one of realizing that God is the ultimate judge and that we stand before him. He's the one who our life, our eternity, hangs uh, in, in his hands according to his judgment. Like, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of human punishment that you can escape, right? <clears throat> Like you, you kind of bank on that as students. If you don't have to do all the reading and you can still get through the test. You don't have to go over the stuff every, you know, every week or every day after class and you can still kind of be all right on the final. Or, um, 
Um, there's, there's ways we escape human punishments. I mean, I've, yeah, I've often been over the speed limit. Right? I've not gotten a ticket. So that's fine, man. We'll just keep going. Um, Sam's been with me when I have gotten a ticket. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate the laughter. <laughs> Um, but whatever ways that we escape human punishment, God still sees. And then ultimately the question is, do you fear God? Do we realize how we stand according to God's judgment? Here are these men about to be delivered completely into ju- God's judgment and death. And, and the one criminal is looking at the other saying, you know, you fear God at this moment when we're under condemnation of, of what God will say to us that you would mock, um, that you would mock Christ on the cross. A lot of people rightly think more heavily about spiritual things at death. Um, do you do you do you fear God? Do you look at yourself as held accountable to what God thinks of you? I think generally we much prefer just to think about how do I think of myself? How do my peers think about me? Maybe we'd rather uh, push off how your parents think about you or some other things. Uh, but do you think about how God considers you? Do you fear God? Do you see yourself as accountable? Not to him. Here's, here's Jeffrey Dahmer, a quote from that interview, uh, maybe nine months, I think I said, before his death. He, he says, if you don't think that there is a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? Because that's how I felt anyway. He goes on to say, I've since come to believe that the Lord Jesus is truly God, and I believe that I, as well as everyone else, will be accountable to God. It's thinking about what God thinks of us that uh, right, it puts the fear of God in you and you're like, what is, what is God thinking of me? It puts the fear of God in you. Answering to God for all that you've done. If you're standing before God and having to answer for all the things that you've done, it's scary. It's scary for me. Um, it's a, but it's amazing how easy, for, for how easy it is for us to forget that, how easy it is for us to ignore that entirely. I just want y'all to think I'm great. Who cares what I'm covering up to, to make myself seem like a good campus minister? If y'all think that I am, then I feel like I am. How do I stand before God? Um, this man here, he, he recognizes the fear of God, and then what's the next thing he says? Uh, he's not just holding himself before God, but then he's admitting his sin. We, he says to this criminal, we justly, um, uh, we justly receiving the due reward for our deeds. He's, in, he's admitting how he's done wrong. Um, I think really, actually, it's pretty difficult for us to, to admit that we're wrong. Um, I mean, even when we're being punished, it's difficult to admit we're wrong. I've got, I've got children. I know this experientially every day, right? When, uh, um, when Daphne and Alice are getting in trouble, they're, they're in time out, or they're getting a spanking or something, they're not like, yes, I deserve this right now, Mommy and Daddy, right? Like, when they're in time out, half the time is spent uh, complaining and yelling and screaming about how that's not what they want to happen right now, right? Um, and when we get a little bit older, we learn not to scream about it. Um, but we're still kind of frustrated on the inside. I don't, I don't want this to happen. It's not fair that, that, I'm, that I got caught. Uh, essentially, it's half the time what we're... It's difficult to, to admit uh, when we're wrong. I mean, really, it's obvious that we're not perfect, but we still try to hold on to, like, every shred that might, look, might, might make us seem like we're perfect or might make us seem like we might possibly be perfect or at least a little bit better than the people around us. We, we cling to that. We don't want anyone else to, to see those ways we're wrong. When someone points out your mistake, what's your, what's your first reaction? 
Not like the subdued reaction after you think through, but when someone's like, oh, you wrote this wrong on your paper. It doesn't even matter, right? You just like, you misspelled a word or you wrote the wrong thing. What's your reaction? They're like, oh, that's wrong. Ah, yeah, you're, you're angry. You're like, how dare you sitting here looking to point out the things that I do? You're like, actually, you know, then you start jumping on something. You're like, actually, that's what I wanted to write. I always write it that way because I just think it's better and it's the and it's going, but it's really more the way it sounds when you say it. Like, you just want to find something to say back to it to not, uh, to not be wrong. Um, when's the last time that you sat in a conversation with God and admitted where you're wrong? Just honestly, accountable before God. My semester's going okay. I did these things all right. Been to these meetings, found these church. When you sat there and said, God, here's, here's where I've offended you. Here's where I haven't wanted to talk to you. Here's how I look down at people around me. Um, here's how I'm doing fine in my classes, but I'm not really caring about it at all. Here's how I'm still disrespecting my people. Here's the things that I'm hiding from my other Christian friends that I'm, I'm still doing or that I want to do. Um, when have you sat there before God and admitted your sin? What we see in this man, he's saying, I'm getting the due rewards of what I've done. Just, I mean, he's admitting it. Until we're admitting that we're getting the due rewards for our sin, until we're admitting that we've done wrong before God, um, we don't think there's anything to be saved from, that we need to be saved from, right? Um, but he sees Jesus in an entirely different way. Because, um, uh, we indeed justly, we're receiving the due rewards for our deeds, but this man has done uh, nothing wrong, even though he's under the same condemnation. Uh, Jesus is in the same boat as, as the rest of us. When he hangs on the cross uh, next to him, uh, they're condemned under the same law, but Jesus is innocent. He's righteous. He's perfect. Luke is, Luke is showing that here. Even after he dies, the centurion is, uh, is, is, is praising God and saying, certainly this man was innocent. Uh, has done no wrong. Has done everything right for us before God. Uh, it sees him as different. And maybe beyond what he understood to a degree, but Jesus is hanging on the cross there as a substitute, as a representative for messed up, a broken, for, for sinners who deserve to die. Jesus was standing there as a, as a substitute for sinners who deserve to die. A death and a rejection from God is what all of us deserve. The wages of sin is death, as Scripture says. So we'll, really, we are death row criminals before God. Accountable to God, we're all death row criminals. What we deserve is coming is, is a complete rejection from God and death and condemnation. I mean, right, so you go just most important commandments of, of God's law, what he said you're supposed to do. Most important commandments, love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yeah. Let's go to the second one. How am I doing on that one? Love your neighbor as yourself? Okay, so the, so the two most important commandments of what God says, do this and you'll live, uh, we break constantly. Never come anywhere near close to fulfilling. The wages of sin uh, is, is death. Uh, and we see the criminal, he goes on from speaking to this other, this other man to speaking to Jesus himself. Um, nine, nine words, we said, shorter than the, probably shorter than the sinner's prayer, right? The, the conversation he's having with Jesus. And just a couple more things to, to draw your attention to here. Um, it says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Right? He says, when you come into your kingdom, it's coming for him to say as he hangs there on the cross next to 
Jesus is, Jesus is about to die, and he says, when you come into your kingdom. Like, the man's about to die. How's he coming into kingdom? But he's recognizing that Jesus is the king, that Jesus is the, is the Messiah, a king in whom uh, his hope can be. Um, I'm not saying that he understands how this uh, works out. Um, but he's expecting uh, Jesus to come in his kingdom. It's ultimately pointing to, to the resurrection. It's pointing to the ascension. Um, and if he doesn't understand all these things, I don't think we necessarily are, are often understand clearly all of who Jesus is or what he's done. But do you recognize him as the king of the universe? Uh, the one that, to whom uh, we can have to give account in some senses, the one in whom we can trust, who's ruling everything. If we, if we need to plea anything, we go to him. He's the one uh, that, that we're his subjects. This criminal recognized that and asked us, the true king for mercy. Jesus, uh, remember me, he says. Expression of faith in Christ. He's, he's asking for favor. He's not, he doesn't even go and say, like, uh, God, please don't send me to hell and give me salvation and all the riches of eternity that I can be with you. Um, in whatever sense, he's just saying, here I am dying, you are king, remember me. Um, there's some great thing about me, but it's like a have favor on me. Show mercy to me. Here I am next to you, recognizing you're the king, asking you, uh, pleading you for help, for you're the one that we can turn to. Uh, in his sin, right, we don't want to turn to God in our sin. In his sin, in his punishment, in his shame, he's looking to Jesus. Um, Maybe I'm saying too much there for to still show you that it's a simple conversation um, that they're having and trying to draw out this thing, to sum those things up. Another ten words, uh, fear God, admit your sin, and ask Jesus to help. Ask the perfect Jesus to help. That is, that is all that we see of this person, this, this man, this death row criminal of doing. Look, seeing that he's under God, realizing his own sin, but looking to Jesus and, Jesus, remember me. That's his prayer of salvation, uh, as it were. Um, and the gospel is simple and beautiful to save even the death row criminal. Uh, Jesus uh, proclaims the promise of salvation to him. You may be struggling to understand different sides of Christianity or what all it means, and, and that's okay. Or you, or you may find it difficult to see things the way this man does. You may find it difficult to see yourself under God or to, to admit your sin. Um, whatever other things, don't let those other things cloud out the gospel. Don't let them obscure the clarity and the simplicity of what's here. There's hope for broken, messed up people. Hope in Jesus. That's for you. That's for everyone else on this campus. That's for for everyone else. Um, there's hope for broken, messed up people because Christ is hanging on the cross. Even for the worst of the worst, even when strapped into the electric chair, nailed to the cross, there's hope. Oftentimes, it's the simplest things that have that have some of the most profound uh, impact. Uh, we see the profound impact of the gospel for this criminal in Christ's words to him. Second point, a profound uh, impact from a profound uh, salvation. What was your day like today? 
but it was a good day. It didn't, didn't rain today. It was a little bit, uh, a little bit windy. It was a good day. It was a hard day. Good things happened. Um, Jesus says to this man today, "You will be with me in paradise." Um, you see the the profundity of Jesus' statement by just saying, "What was this man's day like?" Um, I don't know what time they got him up in the morning, or if he knew this day was coming when his de- his death day, right? Um, could have been flogged with, uh, beaten, uh, whatever the scourging is that they talk about, same kind of whipping, beating uh, brutally. His watching his own body get nailed to the wood of the cross, hammered in, so he can't move, knowing that that death is coming. Uh, the emotional pain that you go through, uh, the, the, the fear, the anguish of your, your death coming, you don't know what that is, uh, along with all the fr- physical brutality of a long, slow, uh, suffering death on a cross over hours and hours, most of the day long. A brief conversation with Jesus in the middle, and then what happens the rest of the day? After his death, Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. The day of his death is the day of his salvation. And he, he's with Jesus to enjoy the fullness of eternity. Paradise that's used to describe the Garden of Eden. He's saying, that's what you will enjoy with me today. Because you've done nothing. But you've looked to me and you said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today is the day of salvation. And instead of the emotion of, of anguish and fear, it's joy and celebration and, and, and thankfulness that in any way Christ might save him and all to be in the presence of God. That's a good day. It's a bad day. It's a good day. Day of salvation. Profound impact of the gospel. Profound impact uh, for us as we see the, the salvation that the gospel uh, manifests. A salvation is a salvation for sinners. Uh, to put it, say it more profoundly, uh, the gospel is showing that, that the best is for the worst. The best thing for those who, who recognize that they're the worst. And I think few examples can make it as clear as this, that the gospel is for sinners. For people who are worse, who are messed up, who are broken, uh, who are bad, even intentionally uh, bad, and they're planning the wrong. Yeah, it, it, I mean, we look at it like, well, is it, why is this criminal saved? Is it that, that he's better than other people for God to save him? Or, um, I mean, other people in the crowd, like all of them can look and say in an external sense, uh, they can say it honestly and truly, uh, he's worse than us. That's why he's being condemned. Legally before a court of Roman law, uh, he's, he's condemned. Or maybe we feel like, but he's saved because he's better than the other criminal in some sense. It's not the way that he looks at it. And here we are under the same condemnation, as if uh, maybe even they've done some of the same uh, things as how it's described. But, but somehow we tend to convince ourselves that the gospel is about our being good. Christianity and faith in Jesus and all these things, it's about our being good. We're supposed to be good. We're supposed to be good enough um, or at least to be better than a lot of other people, right? If we, if we don't do any really bad things, then hopefully God will accept us. That's what we look toward. Or, or you know, the other view of kind of like, as long as I'm in pretty much the top half morally, you know, I've got pretty good chances of, of, of getting in. There's a lot of other people who are worse than me. I don't know that I have it all together, but I'm not... I mean, there's a lot of other things going on around Florida State or other, other places. I've got a good chance of, of going to heaven. 
No, the, the gospel, to the contrary, the gospel is about our being bad. Um, our, our being too bad to do what is right and, and not better than other people. But Jesus pined for us to save us anyway. Because he wants to rescue us. If we were good enough, then we don't need Jesus. I mean, we certainly don't need him to die a death on a cross in our place if we're, if we're good enough, if we had it, had it together. Uh, but because of what Christ has done, because of salvation is a salvation for sinners, we're free to admit how bad we are. We're free to admit how broken and messed up uh, we are, how horribly, ugly, shameful, morally awful the things that we have done, that we think about doing. Uh, the several things that we want no one else to ever know that we did. Um, the things that other people do know we did and we try to, try to hide. But Jesus uh, willingly suffered death by crucifixion with other criminals showing that salvation is for those who deserve death. For those who are so bad that they deserve to die. And Jesus has died for us. Um, Salvation is for those who are so bad that they deserve to die. Is that you? Is that how you consider yourself? Um, that's who Jesus came for. And those are the only ones uh, who make it to heaven. Those are who Christ has, has come for to die. The, the best life of eternity goes to those who have the worst lives. Not that you go and sin more that you recognize. As Paul would say, here I am, the chief of sinners, as you recognize the extent of our sin. Uh, it's, it's a salvation for sinners. It's the best for the worst. Um, it's a fully gracious salvation. Another main thing we see uh, uh, here in this profundity, um, you get everything for nothing. It's the best for the worst, and you get everything for absolutely nothing. Um, that's the glory of the simplicity and the profundity of the deep and beautiful gospel of Christ. Um, even, even when we begin to kind of grasp uh, that the salvation is for sinners, we still struggle with this. That it's everything for, for, for nothing. And look at this. I mean, this story brings it out more than anything else. The death row criminal. What did he do for Jesus? What did he do for Jesus' kingdom? Why would Jesus save him? What did he do to, after Jesus has saved him, like contribute to Christ's kingdom? He, he died. Like that's, that's all that happens to him after the story. Now he dies and he goes to Jesus. He didn't live long enough to see how his, for anyone to see how his life would change because of the gospel. He didn't get to share the gospel with anyone else. Nothing. He had nothing that he could do or offer or give to God. But somehow we think that we have to we have to make ourselves deserve what God has done for us. We have to make ourselves deserve what God has done in Christ. Uh, I mean, do we? It's not like we really think that we could ever do enough that that it'd be right for someone else, even just another random person, to die instead of you. We never think that we're like. That was, but still, this is the way that we, we operate, or we, we try to earn God's grace. Opportunity of being is hiding it, hiding it from God. We don't want to admit how we failed Him because I'm supposed to have everything all together, and God has done all this for me. I've got to pretend that my life is still right. Um, or, or on the other side of it, we just we feel horrible because this is the way that we look at things. We think we have to deserve God's grace, and, and we don't. 
Uh, and we feel horrible to ourselves when we realize that we can't earn it, when we realize how much we're, we're stuck in the same sin again and again, the same patterns of life, or uncovering new sins in your life, or feeling, just feeling powerless to do what you know is right, what you know you're supposed to do, powerless to not disappoint yourself, disappoint your friends or others around you. Um, but the gospel, the gospel is a full and gracious of salvation that is just completely a gift on the basis of nothing. How God decides to save us because we don't deserve it. Um, to show the riches of His grace that He's lavished on us. He gives us everything uh, for nothing so that we can, we can stop hiding our wrongs or feeling like we can't go to God because everything isn't all together right. We go to God in our sin. Thank God that you... I, I, I've, I've done nothing for you. It's still I need Jesus. Still refresh me in your grace and show me uh, your love. Uh, we can stop pretending to be good enough. We can, we can revel in the love of God for us in Christ. Uh, we can celebrate, rejoice, and be thankful and, and, and really revel in it, trust in the Savior who's been through death for us, rejected by God for us, raised from the dead on the other side and approved and raised into heaven as our... As our representative, our righteous substitute, our Savior, He has gone through what we deserve and brought us into life out of it. We get to celebrate the goodness of it because it's all been done for us. Everything has been done at a cost of nothing for us. Freely given. Promises His presence and love for eternity, stored up treasure for us in heaven, or just in the phrase of this passage, a paradise. Paradise with Jesus is ours in Christ. A brief conversation, less than 25 words, had a profound impact on the life, the death, of the eternity of a death row criminal. It has a profound impact on us, even for eternity. Jesus speaks with the death row criminal and saves him. And Jesus speaks with you through this passage. He speaks to us and we see the same truths of our sin and our guilt. Uh, we see the same uh, Jesus' righteousness and innocence and yet his willingness to go to the cross, uh, to go to death as our substitute. And the same promise of salvation for those who are so bad that they deserve death. Promise of paradise, love and approval. Who do you think can be saved? Or, or who have you uh, written off? So some of us struggle, some of you struggle to believe that you could be saved by Jesus. Or even Jesus saved. Some of you struggle to feel like you could be saved by Jesus. In some ways, all of us doubt the gospel. The more we see how messed up we are, the more we go, does God really love me? Is Christ, is Christ enough for me? Is the gospel what I... Well, rest of it. We feel like maybe we can't be saved. Maybe in some ways you may feel that your sin is, is too much. Um, you may feel like too much time has been, has been wasted or too many things that you've done that can't be uh, taken back now. You may feel the lack of your own ability to do anything good for God, for His kingdom, to even obey well enough of all the stuff that He wants you to do and that you just keep uh, failing out more than you seem to get it right. Oh, but take encouragement 
from the way that Jesus speaks uh, to the death row criminal and for how he speaks uh, to you, the very promise of salvation, the guy who's done, who's done everything wrong and, and will never do anything right because he's being crucified as Jesus speaks to him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. The promise of salvation for you is every bit as full the grace of God of Christ's work for you. He has done it willingly for our salvation. Or maybe even on another side, there are uh, others that we, we pray that God would save, that we're, we're desiring their salvation, or, or some that maybe we don't even, well, we stop praying for, we don't bother to pray for, or, or speaking with. And I can be a friend or family member that for a long time you've just seen no change in their life. And maybe you, you're fed up with all the stuff, but how it's, how it's hit you, the consequences for you, Maybe a close friend who's just gotten into all types of bad stuff that you needed them back when you were both going to church together and here's this person and now. Maybe they've come to Parsley, maybe they're somewhere else, but the stuff that they're into, really. I mean, where are they going now? This is, this is what they want. Or even just other students around us in general. I find myself thinking, um, I, I want to share the gospel with you. I want to pray for them. I want to see the stuff. I want to see God work great salvation of, of tons and tons of students at FSU. And then part of me goes, the gospel's not really what they want. It's not what they're, they're looking for. Uh, you, know, you feel like there's no way that they would prefer Christianity uh, to everything else that Florida State has to offer, to, to the self-indulgence of, of drinking and parties and sex and, and getting high and spending money and, and all the stuff that at least a lot of the social life at FSU, that's what it is. Um, we feel like, Jesus, are those people going to be saved? Is, is the gospel for these people? Is it covering those things? Can Jesus really break into their life and turn them around? Um, Jeffrey Dahmer. People in prison, death row criminal hanging on the cross. But being with Jesus, speaking to Jesus, and Jesus speaking with him, that's a very promise of salvation for us. Are we willing to be with them? Not to pray for them and to, and to speak with them as Jesus does. That we would see the profound impact of the gospel uh, in our life and in others around us. Um, in this brief, simple conversation, we see the beauty of the deep gospel of God's love for us in Christ. Uh, let's pray. Lord God, we pray that you would encourage us. Um, these truths are beautiful. Uh, for many, of these are truths that we know, that we believe. Um, but that practically we struggle with. Um, practically joy is, is slow to fill our hearts. Love for others is, is, is weak uh, often. Um, and yet, Lord, so, so amazing uh, your grace that changes lives, that gives salvation. Um, Lord, let us not grow complacent with the gospel. Let its truth uh, not become uh, dead to us or dull to us or, or unexciting. Um, for this is our every hope. Uh, Lord God, we praise you and we give you thanks uh, that our Lord hung on a cross, uh, that he suffered, that he was nailed, 
there. He called out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that he died because we deserved that. Lord, we, we admit it. Uh, Lord, we admit it now, not just in that general sense of, oh, that's the right answer, but Lord, we, we admit it that it's true of us. And yet, Lord, we thank you for the promise of salvation and pray that you would encourage us in the joy of Christ's presence with us now uh, and even to all eternity. And Lord, we pray that you would use us to share uh, the glory of the gospel of your kingdom to others around us. We pray that for you to do great works of, co- of conversion. Uh, Lord, that we would see the beauty of the gospel more and more. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat>